Blog Talk Radio. time you need auto parts and accessories, trust the parts professionals at the 48 Sacramento O'Reilly Auto Parts Store. Our professional parts people know what it takes to get the job done right. Professionals have counted on O'Reilly Auto Parts for decades. Now you can too. Professional parts people, O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Okay. O'Reilly Auto Parts. Blog Talk Radio. Celebrating their 20th year in radio broadcasting. With news not heard in the news, the International Taz and Paula Show interviews experts from all walks of life, bridging research and personal life journeys, revealing new ways to unleash life with a passion of a heartbeat. And now, here's Taz and Paula. Well, here's to an incredible day to all of our listeners. Grab an easy chair and spend the next hour with us enjoying a great way to uplift your day. Our guest, Tom T. Moore, is an award-winning author, speaker, and is in the entertainment business where for over 25 years he has been president and CEO of his own international motion picture and TV program distribution business based in Dallas, Texas. Tom has stretched with continuous open arms to capture his thrilling ride about the truth of our world and other universes as well. And lucky for us, he's placed in in um, his latest book, uh, Atlantis and Lemuria, and I think there's some information in, in the first contact as well. We'll be talking about all of his books for sure today. You are now listening to the International Taz and Paula Show. I'm Taz. And I'm Paula. Well, we've known Tom um, since his first new book came out, and he's become one of our favorite guests and an old friend of ours. I shouldn't say old. I should say uh, good friends. <laughs> thank you, thank you. <laughs> and the uh, the first book that when we met him that came out was the Gentle Way, a self-help guide for those who believe in angels. And then he he has written three books since, uh, uh, Gentle Way, uh, Benevolent Outcomes, the story continues, and then The Gentle Way 3, Master Your Life, and First Contact, Conversations with an ET. And uh, besides being an author, he has a great weekly newsletter that has so much information in it. We'll be sharing that with you today also. But we hear that there's there's a rumor going around that you have a new book coming out in September. Is that right, Tom? That's true. I, it's uh, <laughs> the official name now, as far as I know, uh, I don't think it'll be changed, um, is uh, Atlantis and Lemuria, uh, The Lost Continents Revealed. Ah, Wow. Oh, that that sounds exciting. It's also a mouthful. We're so happy to have you. We're so happy to have you back with us today. Um, well, you know, welcome. And um, you know, it's amazing. I, I wonder just how do you sleep? 
with such exciting information arriving probably daily. So tell us exactly what ignited this this last book for you to launch it, and um, tell us a little bit about it. Okay. Well, and well, how how is it related to uh, the Gentle Way books? Or is it related? It is. Um, the uh, The questions started uh, coming in uh, around 2008. So I've actually been compiling this book, and I didn't know it was going to be a book, you know, for a long time. Uh, just one day, I started looking at at all the information I had on Atlantis and Lemuria, and I said, "Good night. This can make a book." <laughs> and, and that's sort of how it happened. Um, and probably I was also trying to pro- procrastinate a, a little because my big behemoth book is still is still out there that I'm going to be uh, uh, writing, and it's uh, it's going to be about my conversations with with a guardian angel and Gaia, uh, the soul of the earth, and and that's going to be a big book. So I I don't even know if if I'll be able to contain it in one book or whether it'll go for two, but we'll see. So um, so anyway, uh, one day I was, um, uh, you know, had just read something about Atlantis or whatever, and I, I just asked this simple question, um, had, uh, had I ever had any lives on Atlantis? And uh, oh, I, I take that back. I had... Um, uh i ask if um where did the gentle way originate because um uh, and i i asked the the question about the lives later on and so um uh theo said ah tom <laughs> and that always prepares me for some some really interesting news coming coming along uh, he said um the gentle way uh, dates back all the way to your days in Atlantis, where you were inspired to create the Gentle Way. See, I thought maybe the Gentle Way was—I uh, I knew it was—it dated back at least to the 1600s because that's when um, I, I, I first contacted, who's my main guide now, an Indian shaman uh, that's also a member of my soul cluster uh, by the name of Reveals the Mysteries. And um, reveals the mysteries. Said that I was incarnating in this time period to reintroduce the pe- people to the gentle way. And so that always kind of stuck in my mind. Reintroduced. Well, how far back does it go? A thousand <laughs> years. And little did I know it would go back over twelve thousand five hundred years. And um, it seems that I had a life in um, uh, in ancient. Atlantis about 200 years before the the continent, or I, I should say, before the Atlantean islands uh, destroyed themselves. I, I was living on Poseidia, uh, although I didn't know that in my initial questions. And um, it seems I had over one million people uh, requesting benevolent outcomes. So uh, it. Um, I was informed in my meditations that Atlantis was going uh, was going to destroy itself, and uh, so I and twenty five thousand uh, members of my flock, as it was called by Theo, um, upped and migrated from 
Posadia uh, through uh, Portugal and Spain to what is now uh, Egypt, and uh, and we resettled there. So that's that's how everything kind of started. Tell us who CEO is so everyone will understand, okay, Tom? I'm sorry? Tom, tell us who Theo is so everyone will understand. Okay. Theo is the name that I've given my own guardian angel. And in my belief system, because that's what Theo tells me how it is, uh, there is a golden light being that takes care of not only me, but in Theo's case, he takes care of about 19,000-plus other souls and all of the soul fragments that uh, uh, that they have having lives on Earth because their souls are much more immense than we can imagine, and your soul can be having up to 500,000 lives all across the universe for its learning all going on at the same time if it wishes to. And so... Uh, uh, and, and so these golden light beings are assigned because they're they're much more knowledgeable and ancient than our souls are, which is why they they glow uh, with a golden light and they monitor us 24 hours a day throughout all the lives we're having on Earth, which are all taking place at the same time. And, huh. and so that's so that's what that's Theo's job and and. Uh, and he's he's handling all these souls. Each soul has anywhere from six to twelve soul fragments having lives on Earth, and they're all going on at the same time. And each life we have, we have twelve. There's a total of twelve timelines, which um, some people call parallel lives, but he calls them time lives. I mean timelines. Pardon me. And um, uh, so there's twelve of us on each one of these lives, uh, all having different experiences uh, on different frequencies so that the upper timelines are are uh, less hard and the lower timelines are harder and more difficult. Paul, I don't know about wow. you, but I'm getting constant chi going in my body with all you saying. Oh, wow. I know it's, it's a well, lot, but, but I guarantee that yeah. this was revealed to me over a, a long period of time. As they say, they they kind of spoon spoon feed us the information as we're able to understand it, and, and yeah. so I, there's so much more to go. Uh, you know, they they tell yeah. me I've just kind of done the tip of the iceberg. Like now, I said, how I was you told <laughs> I was I was told Atlantis uh, was near the Azor Islands. Is that uh, is that true? Yeah, the uh, I was given. For, for my book that everyone will see, I have the most detailed information ever in a book about Atlantis and Lemuria. Both Atlantis and Lemuria were about 10 to 12% larger than the continent of Australia. So if you can look at a world map and you see the size of Australia and then just imagine it a little 10% or so larger, it takes up a lot more space in the. Uh, it took up a lot more space in the Atlantic Ocean than than uh, Lemuria did does or did I guess um, uh, in the Pacific because the Pacific is so large. So Atlantis was was located 
um, if someone wants to uh, look at a, a world map that has longitudes and latitudes on it, uh, the northern top of it would be um, would be at around 47 degrees latitude, uh, running along there, and it was in the shape, roughly, very roughly, of a parallelogram. <laughs> that was a big word for me to receive. Let me tell you, and uh, <laughs> and it uh, came within 30 miles of the of, of what we call Africa now, but back in those days it was called Oz, the land of Oz, mysterious land of Oz, and um, and then it it ran about 100 miles uh, parallel to the North American coast, all the way down just past the tip of Florida, and it included what is now the Baham, Bahaman, Bahamian Islands, and um, uh, it also included, of course, Bermuda would, would have been a remnant of it, and, uh, as, and, and parts of the Azores, yes. Wow. Canary Islands. Now, you said Bermuda. Oh. Does, does Bermuda Triangle have anything to do with Atlantis? Uh, partially, uh, as no, I may not have included this in the book, uh, or may have, I, it's uh, it's hard to remember. It's over a hundred thousand words, so it got a, hard to remember everything. But um, uh, as I recall, there there uh, may be some um, large giant crystals that went down uh, and sank that they were not able to uh, uh, to save. So that's. Uh, there, there was some uh, knowledge towards the end that that uh, things were coming to an end. So some of the uh, priests of that time were able to move some of the large crystals. These crystals, by the way, were were upwards of like 20 to 25 feet tall. I mean, we're talking about giant quartz crystals, and so that's um, that's why they were able to have healing centers and. All of the, and these were very advanced societies. Both of them lasted for over fifty thousand years before they each destroyed themselves in a horrific wars, two wars. And um, uh, so, in their heyday, uh, all of their aircraft, um, which were saucer-shaped, because that's how they had seen the ET ships uh, through the years, and um, so. They were all saucer-shaped, and they all ran on these crystals, uh, and, and it was like these um, these huge crystals would send out beams of like a radio frequency, except different. And, uh, and so it was limited by the curvature of the earth, so they'd have to have, you know, uh, more than, than one of them uh, for these aircraft to travel, for all vehicles. Everything ran on this free energy. I mean, any kind of home, uh, you know, the lighting in the homes, everything was was done on uh, was uh, given by these crystals. And people would have smaller crystals in their home that would that would receive these and power up whatever they had going. Wow. I I question uh, I, if Atlantis is going to be coming back up. Do you, do you have you gotten any message along that line? No, it 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 never will be. It's um, uh, it was there. It's uh, I was told that it's time for us to learn more about our history uh, because a lot of people just don't believe 
Atlantis or Lemuria ever existed. But these two societies, as I say, grew over 50,000 years and became very sophisticated. And and But they, they destroyed themselves in these horrific wars. I mean, as an example... Um, uh, the the sons of Belial uh, inhabited the islands of Aaron and four other smaller islands, and um, and they pulled a Pearl Harbor type attack on Posadia, uh, and they had these these ray guns that would literally melt people and houses and even the earth itself, and uh, 325 of these aircraft took off and did a sneak attack on Posadia to try the, uh, and wipe them off the face of the earth, and they killed a million and a half people the first day. Well, why haven't we heard much about Atlantis? I mean, there's a lot of people that don't believe in Atlantis. I think Plato mm-hmm. wrote about Atlantis. Yes. Why hasn't it um, been more writing about Atlantis? Well, uh, of course, there weren't very many uh, survivors. You you actually had um, two major destructions of Atlantis. The second destruction was a was a natural disaster. It sat on top of the Mid-Atlantic Ridge, and there were all these volcanoes running down the ridge, and bigger than you know the biggest volcanoes today, and they erupted and sank. All of the continent at that time, um, uh, with with the exception of um, uh, the islands, okay, and the oceans, the oceans of the world at that time rose 160 feet all around the world, destroying every single village and and town and city uh, on the coast of every single continent, okay. So that was the second destruction. When the islands sank, the oceans rose again 40 to 41 feet. We, you can say 40.5 feet if you want, but it's somewhere right in there between 40 and 41 feet. And, um, and, and that's where the, the story of Noah came, came to be because Noah, there really was a Noah, and, uh, and I, I have a whole chapter on him in my book, and uh, he really did build, build an ark, although he didn't have wild animals. It was domesticated. And when the oceans rose, that 40, 41 feet, as each island sank into the ocean, you know, it'd go up another 5 or 10 feet. And so that's how you can imagine if it was 160 feet, he, uh, it would have been probably too much for them to survive, but only going up uh, 41 feet or so. Uh, it was able to be lifted up, and uh, and it it did carry them to Mount Ariat, although to a lower slope, not not the upper one, uh, not to the top of it as as has been uh, speculated. So, um, and and then you've got one more huge destruction when when the uh, Lemurians destroyed themselves in a war. There were five countries on that continent, and and those, uh, uh, and and I found I asked if I'd ever have had a um, uh, a life on Lemuria, and, and I was told, Ah, Tom, <laughs> uh, you helped destroy Lemuria. So it turns out I was a religious leader that encouraged 
the leaders of of my country to bomb uh, to bomb these other two countries that we were uh, at war with, and uh, these were enormous bombs, much 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 larger than our atomic bombs uh, of uh, you know like Hiroshima or or Nagasaki, and and uh, and it split apart the continent and everybody sank. So it rose another. Uh, 200, uh, around 200 feet, I believe it was, 175, 200, um, at that time. And um, uh, just, uh, uh, again, wiped out every single coastal city and town all over the world. So scientists have figured out that the oceans rose around 375 to 400 feet. They just thought that, uh, that the oceans were rising a foot or foot and a half per century or so, thousand years or whatever, and actually these were uh, three major events that caused the uh, the oceans to rise that amount. I thought that how, how Lemuria. I'm sorry. <laughs> how far oh, okay. amount of time? Amount of time between Atlantis and Lemuria. What was the amount of time between the two being destroyed? Uh, Five thousand years. Five thousand years. Yes, from from the end of the Atlantic, uh, Atlantean islands to the end of Lemuria was five thousand years. Tom, I thought that Lemuria and Atlantis both were high technology, and um, so and I thought that they were higher beings of 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 peace. And was well, that they the were. Zone? Especially Lemuria, at, at its zenith, everybody was nice and loving, and you know meditation and and so on. You know, live and let live. Uh, it was only in like the last thousand years that that greed and corruption and power and all that stuff entered into it, and and they destroyed themselves. But for thousands of years, they were they were very nice people. Wow, and and the Atlanteans, you know, in their heyday, uh, they you couldn't say they were completely nice. I mean, they tried to conquer Oz, and they did conquer most of the coastal towns and and what have you of the Mediterranean um, uh, until until things started getting worse for them, you know, internally, and they had to back off. But when they tried to conquer Oz. Um, even with their ray guns and everything, these these aircraft could not fly during the daytime, and so you know it would be like if you recall the stories of the British and all with these thousands of Maasai warriors and all. That's how they defeated the Atlanteans. They would come in at night, and and even if they killed a thousand of them with these ray guns, there were still two or three thousand more that would slit everybody's throat. And I was told that I had a couple of lives where I was a soldier and, and was killed over uh, over in Oz uh, because every hundred or – are you there? Yeah. yeah. Okay, I heard something. Uh, every hundred or three hundred years or whatever, some leader would say, oh, I, I'm sure we can, we can conquer them. And, and they would try again, and, and they would, you know, they would wind up completely – uh, uh, annihilated, and so they finally gave up trying. So, uh, you know, there were survivors, and 
did, where did they go? I mean, like... Right. Well, as I say, my group was over 25,000. And and so there was all this land. I, I had actually been taken, uh, according to what I've been told, um, by Adama, who's, you know, the Lemurian of, of Telos uh, under Mount Shasta. And... Yeah. and they had the ability to live like 300 or more years. And so uh, he also had the ability because they weren't pure Lemurians. They were, they were from like another galaxy or something. And, and they had volunteered to help, uh, help train the explorer race in, um, uh, in our, our nighttime. And um, so, so, he uh, knew about me uh, some way or other and and uh, called in one of the ET ships and took me and um, uh, Antura, who's, uh, who was in my last book, uh, Conversations with an ET, uh, First Contact Conversations with an ET, uh, took us both and showed us uh, Egypt and uh, showed that it would be a peaceful life as compared to trying to settle all these 25,000 people in uh, in Europe where uh, where uh, people didn't like the Atlanteans. They had a long history of being conquered by them and so on and so forth, and we wanted a peaceful place. And so that's where, that's where we went. And, um, uh, and I actually had dealings with, with Rata. And if anyone that has read the uh, Edgar Cayce books uh he was rata in in a, a past life and he was uh called he had been uh uh banished away from egypt and i can't remember the reason why but but he had been banished and they brought him back in order to deal with the atlanteans and so he wound up dealing with me and and i brought some of my healing stuff with me but I had to lie to him uh, because I didn't want uh, anything to happen again like we saw was coming with Atlantis. And, uh, uh, and, and so I, I kept those fairly hidden away, but I, I became sort of the first priest doctor of, uh, of Egypt because I would heal uh, the Egyptians along with any um, Atlanteans that needed healing. Now, I heard somewhere, I don't know if you've heard this before, that uh, the Easter Islands, that mm-hmm. um, I guess the uh, shamans there, they say that they came originally uh, from Lemuria, that they, mm-hmm. they they escaped and, and went to the Easter Islands. Have you heard that before? Yes. Um, the Easter Islands were, were fairly close to uh, Lemuria. Lemuria was... I think they, uh, it was described as sort of like a potato shape, but not exactly. And it had a tail sort of in the middle. And it was actually at one time before the ocean started rising, it was connected to Japan uh, in, a, in two or three places. But uh, the waters um, rose and broke that connection. And, and there were people living on, uh, in Japan, you know, that were – Almost like indigenous to Japan, and um, and one of the questions I asked was, 
did they ever, you know, go over and want to conquer them or anything? And I was told no, there was plenty of room on uh, Lemuria, and they had no desire to go there because these people were considered more very sort of um, tribal kind of people. You know, I mean, uh, you know, just hunters, fishers, whatever, and uh, not as as sophisticated as the Lemurians. So uh, they um, uh, they they never did that. Now. Obviously, there were people, uh, you know, towards the end, the survivors, uh, they saw the, this war getting worse and worse and worse for Lemuria. So there were people that, that did uh, migrate to Japan and to China and, and probably Malaysia uh, through that area. Uh, the Atlanteans, and I didn't finish uh, mentioning where all they went to. Of course, they uh, uh, a lot of Atlanteans went down towards uh, the Yucatan coast and on down to Guatemala because these were warm, warm climates and they, uh, uh, you know, they liked the warmer, warmer weather. Have any of the Lemurians gone to the the inner Earth like Mount Shasta and uh, part of our inner Earth as well? Well, on, only uh, it's my understanding from what I've been told. It was only this group. Of, of Lemurians that went to and founded Telos, um, and it took them about 100 years to raise uh, through very vigorous work. I, uh, I've got a chapter on Adama too. Um, it took them about 100 years of very strenuous work to um, uh, to raise their vibrational level where they would n- never be bothered by any uh, people in the Earth experiment. That would be exploring the caves or whatever. So there, you just won't find them. Now that said, um, they they are able to lower their vibrational levels so that they actually um, will come and and meet um, uh, people that are out at Mount Chest more of like the locals, and they the locals supposedly kind of keep this kind of quiet. Uh, but if somebody sees like a, a seven-foot person, a pale seven-foot person walking around, they think they're part of a basketball team, and, and they don't they don't think of them as being from Telos. Yeah, we we had a, a guest from Mount Shasta, Robin Laplante, and mm-hmm. she uh, shared with us that she actually uh, saw them coming down from the mountain, and yes, they were. They were there in the dark, and uh, they handed them a light. So, <clears throat> oh, that's so nice. The locals do see them. Yes, and um, uh, in fact, when when I was uh, my wife and I attended a, 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 a Lee Carroll uh, summer conference at Mount Chesta several years ago, and um, uh, two ladies in the elevator at the Holiday Inn we were staying at said. Uh, that they had ridden on the elevator with two seven-foot people. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so they do make their appearances every so often. And, and in fact, at, the, at that summer conference, there were, two, um, there were two people that actually got married on stage, and, and I actually sat uh, one row uh, behind them or by them, and I asked the lady, you know, why they decided to, to get married uh, you know, at the conference, and these were very tall people, I might add. 
I mean, uh, Lee Carroll said, boy, her legs go up to here. <laughs> and, and, uh, and she told me that, um, that a Lemurian showed up at, at the foot of her bed one night and told her that they wanted them to get, get married uh, 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 at, uh, you know, at the Mount Shasta conference. So I thought that was interesting. Wow. <clears throat> okay. No, um, well, not, when did you learn? Go ahead. I was going to say, not long ago, Tom, I was in a Starbucks, and I, I told this story, I think, last week, that literally there was a gentleman that was very tall and very white-skinned, seven foot and a half. He was huge. Wow. And, uh and he came in and sat down. He had a laptop, and um, and I, I mean, I was, I just couldn't take my eyes, take my eyes off of him, and yeah. um, and I stood up literally when he was standing up because I was so shocked how tall he was. I I wanted a comparison, and um, and then maybe in about fifteen twenty minutes, his girlfriend or someone. Uh, came in uh, that was like him. She was about maybe six inches shorter than he was, but still, yeah, I mean, it was just so obvious they're lanky and very tall and slender. And, um, wow, it just really, you know, you realize that there's another species hanging around. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, And, uh, uh, and, and they say, you know, they'll continue this, this sort of interaction, but but their their main main deal that they have is that they um, they work with people that have reached a certain vibrational level, and yeah. they work in our our dream time, and and it's very esoteric knowledge because I asked them I said well uh, because I I know that I'm from this water planet that and tourists from. I, and I know I was uh, uh, supposedly some type of spiritual leader there. And I asked, I said, why didn't, w- wouldn't this information be available to me, um, uh, you know, because of having so many lives on this this other planet? And I was told, no, that this this information is above that. And uh, that in my life as this shaman, along with Reveals the Mysteries, which I I didn't mention that uh he, he told me that I was a shaman at that same time period in the 1600s um as this uh, shaman he said I was one of their their regulars as he called me uh in in studying in my dream time so um they they do a service to you know thousands of people in dream time and I don't know how it works that's one of the sort of mysteries that that I maybe will learn about someday but but um I was told that if people uh, request benevolent outcomes and keep requesting, uh, they will raise their vibrational levels. Some people might be only several months, and others it could be several years to a point where they'll be able to visit uh, and take part in these esoteric classes in their dream time. Now, during during the times of Lemuria and Atlantis, did they work with people from other galaxies or other planets? Up until uh, up until the Earth Directive came along, and that's when the these these sort of ET uncles and aunts of ours um, figured out that we were 
that these these places were going to destroy themselves. And so the Earth Directive came down that they were to leave us completely alone because they were, you know, they were trying to use the information that they'd get to be more powerful and to have it over another country or something like that. And that, and so they could see this is not going good. And so several hundred years before they destroyed themselves, they uh, the Earth Directive came down and they they left and and you know these people were. They, they couldn't tell them why they were leaving, um, and they it was like you know you were set adrift in a boat. Suddenly, you know, before you you had these great contacts and and with these beings from from other planets, and then suddenly they're gone, and uh, and it was quite perplexing to the people at that time period. Now, do you, do you? I don't know if you've asked this question, but if we were to go into war. Would they come down and help us at this time? No, 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 not at all. They, they don't have the same. The Earth Directive. Do what? I said they have the same instructions for us as they did for Atlantis and Lemuria. Oh, absolutely! Yeah, uh, Earth Directive will be in effect all the way, just to almost as long as the Earth, uh, as the Earth experiment is going along, going on, and. Um, uh we're uh, you know we're still supposed to have contact the, these pesky russians that i had put in my last book first contact were supposed to be the ones to have full disclosure but they keep dragging their feet and only in the last two or three weeks was i told that that um the uh, the et's that are handling these negotiations or what have you talks with the russians are making a little progress but what I what I found I do now is that I'll I'll ask Theo for a probability of when of when the Russians are going to disclose you know like in the next three months I'll say what's the probability of the Russians disclosing in the last in the next three months and this was like a month or two ago I was told it was very very low like thirty percent or so and so probably around July I'll ask again because when I talk to Antura you know my good old uh, so cluster brother he's always very positive oh yeah things we're working on it you know it's it's you know we know it's going to happen really soon <laughs> and, and but i get i get the the better information from from theo on probabilities hmm. that's that's one of the major things that i've learned in the past two years is about probabilities because uh, like um uh, I, I think uh, in this next newsletter that's coming out this week, someone was asking me about the probability of um, uh, of uh, a, a war taking place somewhere or whatever. I'm I'm sorry I can't remember. And um, uh, or, or the probability. Uh, another one was uh, this week is going to be the probability of a, a meteor uh, striking Puerto Rico. And and these are almost nil, okay. Um, so I can ask for probabilities, and that's the thing. They said if you uh, sometimes a psychic, and I, and they pointed out that I was doing the, the I used to do the same thing, that when a, a, a psychic can tune into a probability, and maybe it's a very low probability, but it's a very uh, dramatic or violent one or something like that. And so that's the one that they they come out with, and they don't understand that if they would ask 
for the probability of that happening, they would see that that it's very low, and others are very high. So uh, I've learned to to try and ask questions uh, on anything like that in the future, uh, asking about probabilities because I get a much closer answer to to what's actually coming up. Tom, in so your I was, oh, I just asked this one. There's a full contact, I mean, a, a disclosure. It's going to come through Russia? Yeah, they they said that the reason for that is um, is that the Russian people would not be so afraid uh, and, and not be so mad at their government or whatever uh, for for keeping these secrets because they know that the Russian government keeps all these secrets. And so... It won't get them so upset as it would, say, people in the United States that would, would uh, you know, really have a cat in learning that we've been, uh, you know, we've had contacts. Even, even Eisenhower had a meeting with ETs, but it was agreed at that time that that the people would be too afraid to, to learn that information, and so, and so they're they're trying to keep on our timetable to the point where, where the people are. Are ready and will not feel like um, like they're going to be all the Earth is going to be destroyed by another invasion, you know, Los Angeles or something like that. Well, you've well, talked about everybody being, uh, you know, that we're all ETs anyhow. <laughs> yes. So, but we don't remember that. <laughs> but we don't remember that. Yeah. Um, you spoke about your um, that. I think it was in first contact that there was the first public contact by Palladians in 2015. Is that still going to be? No. Uh, uh, first of all comes the Russian disclosure. That has to come first. Now, maybe okay. they'll tighten up the time from from the time they have first dis- disclosure to the time they they have uh, the Palladians come in, but... Uh, but the first disclosure with the Russians has to happen first, and and so far, uh, you know, Putin's been more interested in in grabbing parts of uh, of the Ukraine than he has been in in having in allowing that information to be put out. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the Pope is even starting to prepare us because, you know, he said it was possible. Oh sure, uh, they've yeah. they've made a couple of comments from. The Vatican about uh, well, you know, the Creator, uh, you know, may have uh, created people on other planets too, or something like that. I, I'm, I, I may, I'm way paraphrasing that. I don't have the exact uh, quotation. Well, after disclosure, do you think that would uh, f- almost force peace upon us, or we would know that there's somebody more powerful, and that we would have to unite? Or I. You know, again, it's this old sp- uh, spoon fetus kind of thing. I mean, they're the only thing that they may talk about uh, in the in the first couple of visits will be our history. Uh, you know, we're here. We've we've been here for you. We've had your back for you know ten million years. Uh, you know, because these ETs uh, were told by the Creator to create a body uh, uh, that could that would be adaptable and be able to withstand um, all the rigors of the earth. And so for several million years, these ET scientists 
they knew how to create bodies, but they didn't have much practical experience. That's what I've been told in the book. And and so they would try out all types of things, everything from the Lucy um, models, you know, in uh, that they found in Africa uh, with uh, lower brain capacities. And by the way, all of the, all of these models were were and sold because all of our souls wanted to get their feet wet in uh, uh, in having lives on earth to get prepared uh, for for the ones when they finally decided on the Adam and Eve model, which was decided on about 60,000 years ago. So up until then, they had the Cro-Magnons, they had the Neanderthals. Uh, the Neanderthals, by the way, uh, were cannibalistic, and so it never appeared that there were as many Neanderthals around as there were Cro-Magnons because they would eat eat each other. If somebody got too old, oh. why they would just kill them and eat them. <laughs> so, oh. <laughs> so uh, uh, and there were other types of there were other types of body models that that they they had. There was one group of about a thousand that one of the ETs tried, and I call them in the book the Rockwall. Uh, people, because there's the, been this rock wall that's been discovered in Rockwall, Texas. Okay, which is is only mm, it's about uh, I don't know thirty thirty miles from me or something like that. And uh, half of the people that have have analyzed it say, oh, it's just a natural formation, and the other half say, yeah, it looks like it was built by somebody. And uh, and so I ask about it, and these people. As the oceans of the world, you know, were receding back, I don't know how many hundreds of thousands of years ago, whatever, um, there were these people that that lived in this area um, for about 200 years, and they built the rock wall because the of the ocean, uh, uh, you know, to keep the ocean out of, uh, from, I guess, the storms of, the, of what eventually became the Gulf of Mexico. And but they moved on after 200 years because the ocean kept receding, and they were eventually destroyed in one of the massive uh, increases in the water levels. The other one was up in like Michigan, where where they were uh, and sort of I, I was told they were kind of an earlier model and a, a little less um, intelligent. And but there were several thousand of those types of people. Well, the oceans are talk- rising now for us. <laughs> uh, oh, because I, I just thought about what the question that you were asked uh, in your newsletter is. Somebody asked if the rising oceans would affect San Francisco Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's coming out in this this issue. Very apropos for for us talking today. <laughs> so. <laughs> yeah. That, <laughs> so did you? Did, well, can we uh, have a peek? <laughs> Yeah, peak. Uh, peak. Yes, if you'll hold for half a second, I'll. uh, uh, It says, uh, well, I was asked this by one of my readers. See, one of the things about my newsletter, it's all predicated on what what uh, uh, questions come into me from all over the world, and I get to them as fast as I can. Sometimes it's a couple of weeks or so, but but eventually I will. And if I don't, uh, I always tell people to. 
send me an email and rattle my cage because every once in a while I'll I'll uh, an email will drop into what I call the twilight zone and and you know I'm not able to uh, uh, I forget to ask the question but uh, this uh, uh, so I said Gaia what impact will the ocean rising ocean levels have on the San Francisco Peninsula besides the two foot higher water level that's going to be coming in like a couple of years or so. Uh, yes, Tom, one cannot be separated from the other. The rise in water levels will cause storm surges to reach higher on the peninsula. There will be more destruction from any storms which come from the Pacific. It will also cause major problems with their transportation as low-lying streets will be frequently closed. They will try to prevent the encroachment but will only be partially or minimally successful. As you recall, I have said numerous times over the past few years that I wish people to move away from the coast to give them time, to give the coast time uh, to rest. I have uh, suggested numerous times for people to move of their own free will now, and if they do not, they will be forced to later with the loss of their properties. I understand, Tom, that you could be accused of crying wolf, but my messages to you have remained constant on this topic. The alarm bells will be sounding, shall we say, in the near future. Take that to the bank, as you might say. And then someone else was asking me about climate change and and how soon the uh, these, like the West Indies, the low-lying islands or some of the low-lying islands of the uh, Philippines would go under, and I was told within the next two years. And uh, plus we're going to have El Nino storms. I, I mean, that's the scientists say that. Um, yes, and, uh, and and look what's happening right now uh, to uh, uh, to Texas. You know, we're we're having a uh, uh, a, a tropical storm, and uh, so far on my rage, uh, rain gauge, and it's it's still raining off and on today. I've already had over two inches of rain. And some of the places have had three and four inches already. So, and this is this is North Texas. This is not even like the Houston area or Galveston, where they probably had four, six, or more inches of rain. And 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 of course, we've had more rain this year than it's getting close to what we typically have for a whole year. If not, it's gone over by now. And um, that's. You know, we were all in a drought, extreme drought, and suddenly all these floods came, and all of our lakes, I mean, every lake almost around is is over the top. Uh, nobody can, can go boating, fishing, or anything because the, the lakes uh, uh, are just so high. Well, California is the opposite. We're going through the drought now, so. Maybe. I know. We'd, be, we'd love to sell you some of our water. <laughs> just just build a pipeline. <laughs> um, so, let me well, let me uh, kind of let people know right now we're t- who we're talking with and and give sure. out your website. Um, we're talking with Tom Moore, and his website is thegentlewaybook.com. Um, don't forget to sign up for his newsletters; they are incredible. And um, and familiarize. Yeah, they're free. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and so far so, I've been able to do that. 
But I and might add, my sign-up function on the on the homepage of the website is is not working. And and uh, uh, if if anybody knows anything about news uh, newsletter mailer, I think it's called. Um, uh, uh, my sign-up function just is not working. I'd love to give somebody a, a one or two signed uh, uh, signed books if they can figure out how to uh, to fix my my sign-up function. But otherwise, please email me at Tom T Moore the the numeral the number six at AOL dot com. That's Tom T Moore six at AOL dot com, and I'll sign you up. But it's um, it's been very frustrating that we haven't been able to get the thing fixed. Oh, geez. Well, we Maybe need to send out some benevolent prayers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Have that come in right away. We can't and, let and, it go and, by. And actually, one one of my readers uh, sent in, she said, uh, print this uh, out, and we can all ask for everybody to request benevolent prayers that, that your, uh, your sign-up function will work. Uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Definitely. So is there the, anything? the website, yeah, the website is www.thegentlewaybook.com, and maybe, and you know, as far as the the Sedona, Sedona, pardon me, as far as the um, uh, Atlantis and Lemuria, uh, the Lost Continents Revealed book, um, its its official date is supposed to be. Uh, in September, but I know my um, uh, my publisher, which is Light Technology, and they publish the Sedona Journal of Emergence. Um, I, I do know that they'll start selling it as soon as it's uh, back from the bindery. Um, so if someone wants to buy it early uh, and not wait till September uh, and to buy it on uh, Amazon or or wherever you buy your books, um, then you can buy it direct from my publisher. Um, one other thing, I'll, I'll give a little plug for my publisher of the day, the Sedona uh, uh, Light Technology. Uh, the Sedona Journal has a special on right now that if you go to Sedona Journal, uh, let's see, the Sedona, let's see, SedonaJournal.com forward slash promo, I think it says, something like that. But you can just go to the website. They have a special going on that if you um, if you uh, take out a subscription to the magazine, you'll get a free um, astrological uh, uh, reading. A, you know, you, you send them your, your birth date and, and uh, location, that kind of stuff. They'll send you back uh, that. And I think that's a pretty neat deal that, um, uh, you know, because most of these astrology things typically advertise it somewhere around $25 or so. And and also you get to read uh, uh, their latest issue, the June issue, um, free. Uh, so you can uh, get an idea of what's in the magazine. So anyway, it's that's my plug magazine. for the, <laughs> yeah. Plug yeah, for the magazine today. Tom, I have a monthly you. column. Thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, we we'll just have to oh, have yeah. you back, and after your uh, new book pops in, uh, we look forward to hearing from you and and having you with us again. Well, thank you. I I enjoy it, um, 
and I, I hope everyone will uh, think about uh, uh, looking for that book and also, uh, you know, even uh, buying the first Gen Away book, which came out in 2006. Uh, this modality is the best modality. It's it's a hundred times better than than the Law of Attraction. Um, I've been voted best uh, self-help author for the last two years by the readers of the Health and Happiness magazine. Uh, so it, it really, truly does work, and it will change your life. Hmm. Yeah, sure will, because I do it all the time. <laughs> no. So, in fact, I did it before our uh, interview today to make sure everything went smoothly. Yeah, we did too. <laughs> and it did. Okay. So, well, thank you so much for being you, with Tom. us. Yeah. Okay. And happy journeys. Okay. Happy trails, Bye-bye. everyone. <laughs> Bye-bye. Blessings. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.